Welcome back to Avantgarde Talk. This is a podcast where a group of friends get together to talk about all things nerdy. In this episode, James Fergal and I talk about Soul, Wonder Woman 1984, and the future of cinema. So there will be spoilers when we talk about these two films, so keep that in mind. I want to take this time to thank everyone for tuning in into last week's episode. You guys had such great comments and kind words, and I just appreciate it so much, so thank you. Now, without further ado, here is episode two of Avantgarde Talk. Okay, well, we'll start talking about Soul. And I, for one, I think it's one of the best Pixar films. And it's one of the most, like, touching and real-world Pixar films, if that makes any sense. I really, really liked it. I think that when you look at the Pixar films, they're all a little bit outlandish. And, like, this one certainly is. But it also deals with very a very real issue, especially one that's very, very kind of um, situational at the moment with like mental issues because yes, a lot of it is right. built around that. And obviously, with the whole pandemic going on, obviously it's a big thing at the moment. So it's you know it was, it, I I think it was the right time to bring it out as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think when you look at other movies that have found success in Pixar, like like Ratatouille and and Wall-E, like they're all kind of like lower stakes, I guess. Actually, Wall-E was pretty high stakes, but I mean, it wasn't even about people; it was about a robot. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. Ratatouille was like, "Are you gonna own a restaurant? Or are you not gonna own a restaurant?" But this one's like his livelihood and his entire reason for existence. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's I think it's more direct about what the meaning of the movie is than most other movies have been, which mm-hmm. I think is cool because I don't think you need to look too deep into what this movie was about to figure out the meaning. Exactly. One of the things that my friend told me, like his son watched it with him and a lot of the things went over his head, but he still enjoyed it. So it's definitely a film that everyone can enjoy even if you just don't understand the deeper meaning but it has definitely been touching a lot of adults and yeah it's making people question themselves a lot (laughs) yeah i think i watched it and immediately i texted fergal and i was like i'm rethinking all of my life choices (laughs) yeah well i think the theme of just like passion isn't purpose yeah Mm -hmm. that they kind of eventually put into words by the end of the movie I think that's really important for a lot of people. Like like for me, my passion is is music and mm-hmm. I go to you know, I go to college to do music, but I also have passions for this, like talking about film, I have passions for sports. And just because like I'm passionate about one thing doesn't mean it's my purpose in life. And I think that was the journey he went on throughout the movie to figure out that just because music was his passion doesn't mean that it's his purpose in life. One of my favorite things was that this film had so many details in it. For example, just like the first like five minutes and he's in his classroom. First off, the kids sound terrible. And that reminded me of middle school band and it made me laugh. Um, but if you look at his desk, it's just there's sticky notes everywhere. And there's like stereotypical teacher things there. And there's so many details throughout them. Like, OK, so he went to his mother's lawn laundry shop or whatever our tailor shop and he was folding the clothes with them 
And he was doing such a terrible job that he would put it in the basket thinking he did it, but then the women will fix it. And I just thought that was really cool. Um, another Easter egg that I loved was, do you guys remember when someone was super drunk during Food and Wine Festival at Epcot? Someone climbed the Morocco Pavilion um, or no, Mexico Pavilion. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that happened. And in the film and like, where you can like try all the things to find your spark or whatever someone's doing that and i thought that was a perfect easter egg it's hilarious <laughs> that's awesome i really loved how this movie wasn't afraid to make really like obvious but real world jokes like one of my favorite ones was when she was like oh i've been messing with this team for decades and it was just the knicks missing a wide open dunk and losing the game again i lost my mind that was hilarious and they did so many just like little things like that throughout the movie that were just like, it made it feel like it was more real world. Cause obviously you can't really make a joke like that in Wally or like Monsters Inc. or something. But yeah. I mean, they're trying to build the, the setting that this is the real world and this is a real thing that could be happening right now. And I think that including all of these really relatable like things like that, like the Knicks joke or being able to understand his like struggle and staying organized as a music teacher like that's real that's very real that is a very yes. real concept so i think they did a really good job of making it super relatable and understandable for a lot of different age groups yeah and it's cool because they um recorded a lot of things at their houses six feet apart they like i think jamie jamie fox recorded didn't i think he did the piano part himself right because i heard an I interview yeah i heard an interview where he said that he's like classically trained in piano and there is a podcast on spotify called soul and hashtag no spawns but <laughs> um okay hold on my roomba is going off <laughs> okay i will be oh. right back <laughs> uh that's funny all right so let's uh shift gears to wonder woman then mm -hmm. Because I just watched that, and it was it was it was a movie. <laughs> it was something. It was a, it was a movie. Um, I'm gonna try to keep this mostly spoiler free here. Um, I had a lot of issues with the story that I can't spoil, but if you've seen it, you probably know at least a few of the ones I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. It was really good at first, and it was so sad. I really wanted to like this movie because I did not like the first one, and everybody else did. And I was like, well, it was all right. But then this one came out, and I was excited for it, and it looked really cool, and Cheetah was there, and I was like, all right, here we go. This is going to be the Wonder Woman movie we all deserved. And then it wasn't. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was very really disappointing. disappointing. I'm, I'm very upset because I was super excited to get a Wonder Woman movie like where Wonder Woman is done justice. Yeah. Um, my thing is that, so I, for one, loved the first one. I, I loved it. So I don't like DC films, most of them. I like The Dark Knight and that trilogy. But everything else I really don't like. So I was really excited to see Wonder Woman. I made my whole family see it on Thanksgiving, or wait, Christmas. Um. And yeah, it was, it was very disappointing. I do think that 
some standout performances was definitely Pedro Pascal, obviously. Oh, yeah. He, I think he was, definitely was incredible. Um, Gal Gadot was fine. I think <laughs> Gal Gadot is okay. She was better in this yeah. movie than the last one, in my opinion. But, like, it, it, I think her weaknesses really start to show when she has the action scenes. Because her choreography just... I, I don't know if it's just me or, like, expecting too much. But when she's in an action scene, especially when they use the slow-mo, which happens to be a lot in DC movies, mm-hmm. she just doesn't look like comfortable she just she looks awkward and like she's running and i'm like uh you look like you're jogging on a treadmill right now yeah it's like i don't know there's something about it that that's just weird to me and i i I think she's fine i i want to believe she's a good actress because i know she has other things and like she's she's cool I, i think she's cool when she's not doing action but as yeah. soon as she starts doing, you know, any sort of fighting, action, slow motion, running, like <laughs> it, she just doesn't look comfortable. Not that, not to say she doesn't, she looks bad, but it, she just doesn't look comfortable, and that makes yeah. me feel uncomfortable because I'm like, uh, <laughs> wh- why are you making that face? I think it's You're, like the running, you... like when she runs, that is like you can tell that she's just. I feel like she doesn't know what to do yeah she she doesn't know she can still emote you know Mm -hmm. um but my biggest problem with the film was all the all the they weren't really paying attention to a lot of details so for example there's a moment where someone goes on top of a tank and at first before he goes on top it's green and then when he's on it it's tan so it's like moments like that Uh. that they didn't pay attention to that just kind of annoys me and i mean a lot of people they won't realize that but for film people like me and uh, like all of us we're just we pay attention to small details there were a lot of continuity issues yeah mm-hmm. the biggest thing the biggest thing with a film is if you lack keeping the continuity then the viewer who notices it is then going to lose connection to the film and then they're going to mm-hmm. start picking up on all of the once once you realize the the first one you go on and you notice the rest mm-hmm. and then it yeah. it takes away from the film and enjoying the film and all of that and also takes away from the accuracy of it i guess as well yeah once one happens it just they build yeah Mm -hmm. there was one in particular that i had a huge issue with and this i don't think this is going to spoil anything but there's a scene where um it was the same it was the tank scene basically Mm -hmm. um where they were driving on the road and there were kids in the road and she was like oh i have to go save them because i'm wonder woman (laughs) um so, I mean, cool, good call. I respect the decision to go save the children playing in the road. However, it is so ridiculous to me that she ran out of the lasso of truth. It just she just ran out. There wasn't yeah. enough of it. She was on a like a telephone like I I don't even know what it was. It was like one of those towers. Um and it just slipped out of her hand because it ended. Uh and so she landed in the road with the kids, and it, it prevented them from continuing the car chase with uh, Pedro Pascal. But then, later on in the movie, she just grabs a plane <laughs> from, like, thousands of feet below it. I'm like, <laughs> what? That doesn't make sense at all. Like, that, I, as soon as I... And it was supposed to be, like, an emotional moment in the movie. And I, it just completely 
took me out of it. It wasn't even emotional for me in the first place. I was just like, <laughs> oh, whatever, this is happening. I think Unexpected. I will say I this is going to be a spoiler. So Fergal, you maybe cover your ears or I don't know. <laughs> I'll turn um, my volume down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so basically she made the wish. I can't turn my volume down. Fuck. Oh no. Oh, oh, oh no, if I take my headphones. Deafen. I will deafen myself. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there. Oh, that's a mute. Yeah, no, it uh, went to my can... fucking iPad speaker now. Um, <laughs> right, right. I can't really hear you that well, so carry on. Okay. So, with that scene, so she made the wish for Steve to come back, right? And mm-hmm. what happened was she lost some of her power because there's always the... Um, it takes what's most important to you. Yeah, yes. exactly. So I think that the reason why she ran out of the lasso is because Steve was there. So And she was also bleeding and she was hurt. So I think that's why she the ran out of the lasso. The lasso is its own thing. Yeah, I get that. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I just... I, they also uh, they do this with every superhero movie, but they definitely went off the comics because in the comics, I, I did a little bit of research while I was watching it, and this is the Dreamstone. It has a different name. I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, it has basically similar abilities to the Reality Stone mm-hmm. in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or in the Marvel comics, um, which is ridiculous. That's so good. Um, like you just you could shape reality however you want. There's no like one wish thing, you know. Like that was weird. And well, can, can we just talk about Steve while we're there? <laughs> can we just yeah. talk about Steve? Okay, sorry, spoilers. Here we are. Um, I don't really have a problem with them bringing him back. I was like, um, I was a little iffy about it before mm-hmm. the movie, but I mean, they explained it well enough, and it had enough to do with the plot that I was okay with it. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I'll take it. Um, the whole him replacing someone else's life was a little bit strange, but I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'll go with this. But why bring him back just to kill him off again? That doesn't make sense to me. Like, yeah, like everybody loves Chris Pine. Like, mm-hmm. like why you're taking away all of the emotional impact of of his death in the first movie, and then especially in this movie, because he's like, okay, it's fine. Like, go do your thing. I mm-hmm. don't need to be here for it. Like, that's cool. That would have been really, really powerful and emotional if he hadn't already died once. Yeah. Like, come on, let's. I I don't really I don't really get it, and I think they could have found a way to keep him, or they should have just not brought him back at all. But I, I guess it shows a little bit of like where Diana was in terms of her mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it just the romance affects her so little when it comes into when like the action comes into play and the only reason it did affect her in this movie is because it was literally stripping her of her abilities yeah um a scene that like annoyed me just a little bit and i'm not sure why it did i think it was just i think because it was just really cheesy was when she was in the party and I think like seven dudes were like, "Hey, Diana!" Like, <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of the whole like, um, yeah. guys harassing women in this movie. Yeah, and I was like, "This is a really strange way to address that." And then, and then Barbara just beats the crap out of one of them on the street. I was like, 
uh whoa that was mm -hmm. crazy um that was a lot i mean like i guess he kind of deserves it but also like he could have died like she might have actually literally killed him <laughs> so i don't i don't know i'm i don't want to make too many comments on that but like i get what point they were trying to make and i don't think they did it correctly i mean captain marvel addresses that issue perfectly they don't drag it on they don't constantly bring it up but yeah <laughs> how did you feel about barbara <sighs> okay so i love christian wiggs so much like her on SNL, <laughs> she's she's incredible um i don't know the character for me was odd because it's it's one of those moments where she she's wearing glasses she's wearing like colorful clothing and then right. all of a sudden she takes off her glasses and she takes off like a skirt and she pulls her shirt down like she's hot now like that that moment was confusing to me because i'm like what yeah. do people just have things against glasses like <laughs> yeah so... that, was, that was interesting <laughs> i drew a lot of comparisons in my mind to uh jamie fox's electro Oh, and yeah. the amazing mm -hmm. Spider-Man 2. Um, they they kind of did like she went through the whole Spider-Man syndrome where she like woke up and she realized that she had like abilities, but she was still trying to figure them out. Like like she ripped her fridge in half. It was like yeah. like he tries to turn on the water and he just breaks the spout and it's like spurting everywhere. And he's like sticking to walls, like in, in the amazing Spider-Man 2. And he like breaks the subway pole. Like that's what she's going through right now. Mm -hmm. Um so she's experiencing that, but she's also going through the Electro Syndrome where she was a complete loser uh, and nobody even, like, remembered her. Like, someone hired her and it was, like, good to meet you. <laughs> and then now everybody recognizes her and she's, like, super powerful. But in this case, at least at first, it's socially. She's really socially powerful because everybody wants to, you know, be recognized by her now because she's strong and popular and powerful and sexy and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that and then eventually she also finds out about her like physical strength and she ends up using those for evil like like the electro because she feels betrayed um which i didn't really understand that because they were kind of on the same page her and diana were on the same page about not wanting to give up each other's gifts and then she just kind of came in and was like you're not taking him <laughs> And Diana yeah. was like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> so that was that was a weird plot point for me. But I mean, she, or uh, Barbara, I should say, she just had a weird arc. It was, like I said, it was very similar to Electro, the Jamie Foxx Electro, which not many people really gave positive response to. And she just kind of like stopped being relevant, just like Electro. Like, yeah, kinda just, I kind of wanted to know yeah. what happened to her after, and we never really got any clarity. Yeah. So. That was like a, a Killmonger moment from Black Panther, where it's like, you don't really know what she does. You don't even know if she stays alive or not. Like. Yeah. It, it's just kind of, they left it up in the air. And I think that when she goes through something like that, I don't think she would go back to being the cheetah. Which is really frustrating because Cheetah's a really cool villain and like mm -hmm. really relevant throughout the Wonder Woman comics. And they kind of just 
used her as a side character for someone who embodied the Dreamstone? Um, so let's bring up one more thing and then we can have Fergal join back in because this is a spoiler. But can we talk about Linda Carter for a second? Yes. The original Wonder Woman. Yeah. That was so okay. So I was disappointed with the movie, but then they show that and it just made I, I really I loved it so much. And I was really excited because I love Linda Carter. One, she looked amazing. Um it does bring up like a lot of questions and stuff. Um but I just I loved that so much and I was very talking, excited when I started. You're talking her. about the little end credit scene, right? Yes. With Asteria. Yes. Uh yeah, that was like that's fine. I, I don't know how I feel about that. It was just mm-hmm. kind of a weird thing to throw in at the end for me. Um, I wish they would have explored it more during the movie. Because that would have gone hand in hand with the armor. And stuff like that. Yeah, like, but they I need think, something for the next film. So I think that's yeah. why they did that. I mean, I could, I could see that. But I also think you could explore it a little bit more in the movie. Just, just a little bit. Because all that happened was a name drop. And then she, she like... Just they gave her like five seconds of screen time. Like I, I, I would have liked just a little bit more background because I, I, I watched that end credit scene. I was like, "Who are you?" Like, I, like I hate to say, but I was like, "Who is this?" I had to like, and then they said it at the end. They were like, "Uh, yeah." They, they gave oh, like yeah. the credit or whatever. I was like, oh, that's who it was. So, um, I will say, I mean, I, I understand that. M- people want more explanation but think about this like at the end of marvel films we see like nick fury show up for five seconds or we see like bucky come out of the hut and like there's no explanation at all so i feel like it was kind of like that um but i don't know i I was excited about it Uh, i love linda carter (laughs) yeah i would argue that with the marvel ones typically i don't don't, i'm not gonna sit here and act like i remember every single one but a lot of the ones that I remember tend to point in a very specific direction. Um, like like one of the ones I remember is like at the end of Hulk, Tony Stark went to um he went to General Ross and was like, We're putting together a team. And like that's a very obvious direction and what they're going. At the I forget which one it was at the end of, I think it was the end of Thor when the doctor was like looking at the, the Tesseract and then Loki was in the mirror. And like yes. looking at it, it's like okay, you can see where this is going. Um, and like Thanos putting on the Infinity Gauntlet, it's like okay, I can see where this is going. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I I think that this one just wasn't deliberate enough. I like the I idea, that. and I like the idea of like setting it up. But if they could have given a little bit of information either in the credit scene or throughout the movie just just a little bit more because i have no idea what role she's going to play is she going to be like a mentor is she going to be like somehow a a villain who like wants her armor back but it's gone i don't know like this they're i have no idea how they're going to incorporate her into the next movie yeah and it's not like i need to know that but if you're going to do an end credit scene it's usually a good idea to at least give a little bit of an idea because there's also equal likelihood that she just doesn't show up at all in the next movie yeah that's my fear too but i feel like i don't know for me when i saw that i was like oh my gosh it's linda carter and then i was like oh cool 
she's going to team up with Diana in the next film, and that's what it's going to be about. She's going to wear her armor. They're going to do, like, that like that stereotypical scene where they're, like, back-to-back or something together. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. So, I quickly want to switch gears because it just reminded me, because you started talking about Thorne. This is, like, low-key breaking news. So, like, if Fergal, if you can hear me, you can unmute yourself, and you can also listen to this. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome back. So, I was on... That's true. I'm sorry we spoiled stuff for you. It's fine. I probably won't see it for a while anyway, so I'll probably forget half of it. Oh. (laughs) It's all good. Okay. There was a live stream with Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. And Chris Pratt accidentally spoiled something about the upcoming Thor. Now, (laughs) Tom Holland spoils everything. And this time it wasn't his fault. So it hasn't been ch- his fault the last like three spoils. That's true because We're like all very proud of him. <laughs> I think Mark Ruffalo is the one who like <laughs> streamed twenty minutes of Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> he also he also said everyone's gonna die in yeah. Infinity War. <laughs> yep, there's that. Um, but Von basically, like, dude, I know <laughs> it was great. Um, but so they were on live stream. I don't really remember what they were talking about exactly, but he was. Chris Pratt goes, yeah, I'm going to Australia soon to film Thor. And it's going to be weird to sit in a restaurant because they got, like, their crap together, whatever. He was just saying, like, it's going to be different from America. Basically, yeah. he he spoiled that he's going to show up in Thor. And it's not a confirmed cameo. Like, we didn't know about this. So he kind of just accidentally spoiled it. You could see Did Tom not? Holland. No. Oh. You can see like Tom Holland's face, like, oh, thank God it wasn't me this time. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that happening. was a lot. Of, there was a lot of speculation about that, but I, I thought it was. It confirmed. was, but he confirmed it. it. <laughs> well, there we go. We did it. I know that's really exciting. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. I think this will be a good one. Um, I do too. It sounds like there's going to be an exciting cast. I'm interested to see how Natalie Portman ends up with the power of Thor. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see um Christian Bale as a villain as Gore. Oh yeah, God that's because that's gonna be I honestly think that that's a, like a really fucking good role for him. Yeah. It's gonna be incredible. Like, he obviously is a great actor. A lot of people don't like him that much. And he has had some roles that aren't great, but mm-hmm. I think that this is genuinely perfect casting for him. Mm-hmm. I'm also scared at the same time because Gore, the God Butcher, is a very cool villain. And but I'm I'm excited to see how, what he does with it. I think if anyone's gonna do it right, it's gonna be Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very exciting for me. Also, and when I saw that news, I got very hyped. My my biggest problem with the whole Marvel slate thing is the fact that um Kang the Conqueror who is essentially another Thanos-level villain, is going to be introduced in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Yeah. Now, I mean, they said that it could be that he just gets shown in an end credit scene, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I feel like it's too soon after Thanos to start building up a new one. Yeah. I could see that. Especially, mm-hmm. especially building up a new one who is as big as Thanos, if not possibly bigger. Yeah. It's it's just a little bit too soon. I I can agree with that. 
I think you can make a little bit of an argument that they started setting it up in Ant-Man 2 where they kind of yeah. showed that little city in the quantum realm. But like that's nothing, you know. But at the same time like, like they they're, they're going to be bringing a Nihilus in because they've already said that obviously Fantastic Four um is being directed by John Watts who directed Spider-Man Homecoming and right. also Far From Home. Um but what from what people have found out and everything is that they're going to be brought in through the negative zone through oh, yeah. Hank Pym and how they knew him mm-hmm. back in the day um and Annihilus is the kind of I guess leader or whatever of the negative zone and so he will if they use the negative zone he will be introduced and he is basically a Thanos level threat because mm-hmm. if you go in the comics and you read the Annihilation Wave, it destroys multiple planets, including um, Xandar. But that's right. already been destroyed, so that I don't really know how they're going to twist that. But Well, I mean, the the history with Ant-Man and the Wasp is low-stakes villains. Yeah. Um, they're, those movies are like the comic relief within the MCU. Um, even though overall the MCO is a very lighthearted and like silly tone in most of its movies, um, Ant Man and the Wasp have really been just kind of there. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, they ended up being like the pivotal thing in Endgame. But I mean, you you look at their track record here. It's like <laughs> some dude selling illegal weapons, someone who can you know like teleport a little bit. <laughs> And I don't even know who they fought in the first movie. I can't even remember right now. Um, uh, first one was um, Wasp. Uh, not Wasp. Uh, Yellow Jacket. Yellow Jacket, yeah. It's like kind of low stakes. Not really a yeah. big deal. And I think that hopping straight from that um, into someone into like a time time travel god like controls yeah. all time. That, that's a bit bold, especially for a Paul Rudd is just a guy, you know, like yeah. he's just a dude. He just he can shrink now. Uh so and I know they have Wasp too, but like she's also just a woman. She's just a person, you yeah. know, like they're they're just normal people and their suits help them out a little bit. It's not like Iron Man. They're not like they have nanotech and like all this crazy stuff. Yeah. They 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 just shrink. <laughs> That's all they do. And Wasp can fly. So I, I really don't know. Unless they brought the Fantastic Four into the movie also. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't know how they could possibly take down a threat that's anything more significant no. than, you know, Yellow Jacket. They, they'd be, they'd be killed instantly. They oh, would, yeah, for sure. They'd be killed instantly if, it, if they had to go against Kang. Even with the Fantastic Four there, it would still be so difficult for them. And I don't even mind having like low stakes characters in those movies because that's kind of what they're about that's their thing yeah and, and like the cool problem with, with the problem with kang as well even if they have the fantastic four if the fantastic four are introduced in that film they're going to have just got their powers so they're not actually going to know what to do with them anyway so they're not going to be as strong as they could be that's true yeah so it's, it's going to be pointless them even trying to face him yeah so, i mean I don't know, especially, and I also think they've they've released a lot that they could, they need to focus on other things first, like Ironheart, 
I feel mm-hmm. it's you've got so many characters now that are massive characters like Ms. Marvel, who is now she's going to be in Captain Marvel too, and she's already got her own TV show and everything. Yeah. And then they've got She-Hulk and Moon Knight that they need to do, and you know all of all of the ones that had already been kind of announced. They have to do all of them, but now they're throwing in things like Riri Williams out of nowhere. Just like as much as it's a cool character, it's going to bring more Iron Man back. I think they should have gone with the route of using Harley. Um, I agree. Instead, because a he's already got the connection. And B, it's the perfect setup for like the Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. I think that, in general, what Marvel has done up to this point is incredible. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I do appreciate that they're not just rebooting. Because, you know, that's all that's been done in movie history. Is you make movies about the good characters and then you restart. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we've had three Spider-Man trilogies. And, I mean say what you want about all of them, but they were all very different from each other at the end yeah. of the day. Um, but they also have the same basic story because it's the same character. It's bit by, radi- bit by radioactive spider, uncle dies, no connection to yeah. parents really anymore. And I, I appreciate that Marvel is straying away from just like the reboot and restart and they don't want to just keep exposing people to the same stories over and over and over. But they're starting to get to a point now where they're doing so much. Like, the amount of stuff they announced is incredible. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. much. And unfortunately, I think they're going to start to lose their audience a bit. Because yeah. there's going to be people who just don't care enough to try to keep track of everything going on. And, like, Star Wars is a little bit different, I guess. Because you can really see it all throughout the timeline of, like, mm-hmm. 1 through 9. And there's not nearly as much. But, like, the amount of shows they're releasing is ridiculous. I mean, they've already got two for next year. And, like, there's all these characters that, like, I know people haven't heard of before. It's like, no one's going to want to watch that because. Yeah, like, their biggest problem is that because the TV shows are coming out on Disney, Mm -hmm. not everyone's going to buy that and not everyone's going to have that available. Yet when you go and see a film, you know, a lot of people will go and see that. It's a lot easier to do that. You don't have to pay a monthly subscription. You pay once to go see it in the cinema. If you Mm -hmm. like it enough, you get it on DVD. Well, I said this before we started recording, but Disney stock is up higher than it has been for a while. And it's mainly to do with the streaming service. And this is a bigger conversation because is this the end of cinema? Like, are people going to stop going to the theater? to go see films because a lot of these films like Wonder Woman was on HBO um Dune I think is getting released to HBO right I I think it was because they were one of those they didn't know that they were going to be released to a streaming service um they only found out 30 minutes prior to the announcement wow so they're they're fighting that right now and you know that's that's my problem because I I firmly believe the best way to watch a film is in a theater. They design yeah. the sound specifically to watch it in a theater. So if they're designing for you to watch it at home, sound quality and just the overall quality in general is going to go down. So that's yeah. d- that's my problem. 
it's like I feel that there is no better experience of watching a film in the cinema, mm-hmm. like actually going and watching it with in that kind of environment is just so much better than just getting it thrown to you at home and being yeah. like, yeah, watch it on your 23 inch TV because you can't <laughs> afford anything bigger, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> things like that. <laughs> watch a movie like Tenet in theaters is invaluable to me. That was an insane movie. Yeah. And I don't think it would have been nearly as cool if I didn't experience it with high quality sound, high quality video. And uh, like, I don't want to say like a Star Wars movie, but I mean, because the only ones that I've seen in theaters really. Actually, we'll, we'll go with Rogue One. I don't think Rogue One would have been nearly as cool if it wasn't in theaters. Yeah. And even yeah. like The Rise of Skywalker, because they heavily utilize the surround sound aspects, especially mm-hmm. by the end of it with the voices and stuff like that. Like, there's just so many little things that the theater can provide that adds to an experience that what you have at home just can't unless you have a home theater, in which case, you know, I envy you. Which most people don't because, you know, that's <laughs> going to cost you thousands. So Most people do not have that. But I, I think there's a balance, and I think you need both personally. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think that both are really, really great in their own right. And I don't think mm. one is better than the other. I think streaming platforms are great for, you know, it's come out of cinema and you want to put it up on your platform. Maybe wait like a month or two after it's come out so that, you know, because they're going to try and get money from people buying it on disc or something. So wait mm-hmm. a month and then put it on the streaming platform. Yeah. You know, do it that way. But I feel that TV shows should be for streaming platforms and then the films should be cinema not for a streaming platform because it gives you that experience of the film and the tv show you know it's a completely different experience anyway from a film Mm -hmm. so keeping that on the streaming service that you get that suspense and the enjoyment every week in the comfort of your own home and you're not paying a ticket every week to go and see an episode or something because that would be ridiculous um but like yeah i think keeping a keeping cinemas is vital for film because you're not you're never going to have the same experience in your own home unless as you say you have a home theater but that's even more expensive (laughs) and that's another thing about movie theaters that i think is often overlooked the community yes Yes. the community you look at videos of, of star wars fans going to movies and everyone's just freaking out and it's just like yeah. Um, but um, you know, like everyone's like, yes, wow. Yeah. yeah, let's go. It's like you that experience is so great. It and is, yeah. Even if, even if there are some bad apples in the out there, you know, who don't really respect the movie theater, mm-hmm. you, you're gonna get that from time to time. It adds to the experience. Yeah, like I I I've never I never really went and saw films on day one when they were released and stuff. Like start when I think Force Awakens came out, I didn't see that till two weeks after it came out. So, you know, going and seeing it, there was, like, no one in the cinema anyway. Mm. Um, so I didn't get that experience. But when I watched Endgame, I watched it on the day of release, on the first showing. So I had all the, you know, you're with all of the hardcore fans. Yeah. Same with Rise of Skywalker. And it's such a different experience. And it's also one of the best experiences I've had. Yes. Because everyone who's watching, like, when I went and saw Rise of Skywalker, it was the midnight showing. So as soon as it came out, we were all there watching it. You knew that we were all, we were all big fans if you go into a midnight showing, especially because right. a lot of people were dressing up as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. 
everyone then had that connection to the film already. So when everyone thought that Chewie died, everyone in the audience made sound and, you know, everyone felt the same thing. And it's just a completely different experience with that. Whereas if it had been released on Disney Plus at Christmas, mm-hmm. then it would have just been a waste and just kind of wouldn't have felt as powerful. As Can you imagine moment. if Infinity War came out on streams, though? Just for a second. I did. Can yes, you imagine I. if Infinity War came out on streams? For... <laughs> Jeez. My yeah. fav- one of my favorite movie moments is watching that. And when Black Panther was like, come, this is no place to die. And then dies. <laughs> some chick was like, Oh hell no! Nah. Just like <laughs> screamed it. It was hilarious. I was like, "This is this is why I'm here." But I mean, you don't get that kind of stuff at home. Yeah, and it's exactly. like it's the, it's the same with Endgame. Like when when Cap picks up, um, Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Oh my god! <laughs> Everyone screamed. Yes, and it was just <laughs> insane. It was such a cool moment that everyone knew it was going to happen. But right. everyone freaked out and everyone was shouting and screaming and cheering and all of that. And it's just an experience that you wouldn't get if it was just released on Disney+. Plus. Um, right. I have a viewing story. Like, okay, so it, <laughs> Star Wars fans are brutal. And I yeah. saw the Rise of Skywalker premiere on a Disney cruise. Um, hate to flex, but... <laughs> wow. And it was in their big theater. Yeah, I need to show off. My bad. Um, <laughs> and so the sh- the cruise left the day it came out, so all of us could not see it. So it was about Tuesday when we could see the Rise of Skywalker. Um, I think it was like a- it came out on Saturday or Thursday. I, I don't remember. But um, so it was a bunch of people. We haven't seen it yet. And it was the scene where Leia passed away. And there was this right. damn baby crying <laughs> so loudly. <laughs> and everyone was really irritated with it um and someone said take the damn baby out the princess died and then everyone Aww. cheered <laughs> 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 um and another funny moment from that premiere was the guy sitting next to me was so nice i think it was towards the end and everyone was really happy and everyone was like crying and he's like do you want some champagne this deserves some champagne. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he offered me champagne and he had it with them. So, you know, that was great. <laughs> Dubs. Yep. <laughs> I just think it's it's an irreplaceable experience. Exactly. Honestly. You can't you yeah. can't have that same experience when you're watching it with people you know. Because I mean, I watch movies with my family sometimes and we kind of just sit there in silence and watch it and then we talk about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They don't like it when I when I say things during the movie, which you know, understandable, understandable. I like seeing scary movies with people, especially in mm. the theater. And I remember, <laughs> hate to call James Wolf out, but I'm going to. Um, I had to sit in between you and Sarah, and both of you. When was this? Do you remember seeing it? One or two. <laughs> oh yeah, the oh. first one. I think you jumped thirty feet in the air. That is. <laughs> So actually, no, there was one, there was one that I actually jumped. It was my mom. That was the funny one because she was like hiding under the stairs. She was like out of her seat on the ground. Like, oh my gosh. There was one jump scare that got me in in it. There was just one. And it got, I know it got everybody. He's capping. It got everybody. No, because it wasn't scary. It was an action movie. It was an action movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. And while we're on the topic of it, it chapter two was such a bust. 
Oh <laughs> man, but we don't need to I open that Baker, can of worms though. Right now. I love Bill. I want to talk about that a different time. Uh, okay. But yeah, that was I, I like I like seeing movies with with people you don't normally watch it with because like I watched 1917 over the summer with my family. We watched it at home. Mm-hmm. I got it on DVD. First of all, 1917 is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. The I don't know how they did it, but the whole like one camera shot trick was astonishing. It was beautiful. Yeah. I loved it. I was fully captivated the entire movie. Of course, we paused it halfway through to eat dinner. <laughs> um, As you do. I don't I don't want to spoil it, but it's been out for a while, so I'm just gonna say yeah, something that happens. Go for it. There, the camera cuts one time and yeah. um the the the, the premise is that they're trying to get to a different army camp in time to like warn them of a sneak attack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So at this point, the person he's gone with has died. So there's only one of them left and he goes up and he's kind of in a sniper battle with a, he's, there's a sniper in the tower and he's trying to shoot him and he runs up to the tower to try to make sure he shot him. And the dude's sitting there with a pistol pointed at the door and bonks him, shoots him right in the head, hits his helmet. He doesn't die. But um they basically traded shots so mm-hmm. but it knocks him out and that's where the camera cuts because it's like yeah. his perspective he gets knocked out and that's like the easy way to pass time in to the change movie. time yeah yeah but it was just darkness and then they were like oh let's pause it here and we ate dinner <laughs> i was like you've got to be kidding me <laughs> it's so it's so frustrating i was like oh man oh man here we are sitting on this blank screen and I had to wait for, you know, however long it was to see what was going to happen next. <laughs> I was like, I, it took me out of the movie a little bit. Mm. Yeah. It's like, if that. you do that, yeah. if you do that with it, and that's the thing about shows, is like, at least they choose where they want to end it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's one of the things I liked about The Mandalorian is every episode was different length. So he always told the story he wanted to tell, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't add stuff that wasn't needed. And exactly. Yeah, all of that, he, you know you literally just had the story and that, and was, that it. was it that's all you needed yeah when you just pause a movie halfway through just like cut the movie halfway through it, it it's not even good suspense it's just like man i just want to know how this ends now yeah. <laughs> it didn't take away too much thankfully because i still thought it was an incredible movie but yeah that's that's my at home movie experience 1917 is one of one of the greatest films i've ever watched and obviously i've I've looked a lot into the behind the scenes of it. I know how they did all of the one shot mm-hmm. stuff and all of the CG elements and stuff, but the way that it just came together in the end genuinely has made it one of the best films I think oh, yeah. ever. It was beautiful. Just everything about it. Music, cinematography, mm. CG. Even though there wasn't much CG, because obviously they didn't really need to use that much. Right. What they did use didn't take away from it like if you Mm -hmm. if you watch a lot of kind of war films or kind of realism um history films when they use cg it takes away from the film a lot but because of the amount that they used and where they used it it didn't take away from it at all it still all felt so real i agree i agree 100 overall just just one of the greatest films ever All right, this is the end of the second episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.